Welcome back to the McCann Dogs podcast, episode 55. And today we are going to be speaking to you puppy owners, or maybe you are thinking about getting a puppy uh, in the not too distant future. And you feel like when you, you're not really sure, you know, you're, you're, you're excited about getting a puppy, but what else will you need to know? Well, in today's podcast, we're going to talk about all of the things that you really need to be aware of uh, when you bring your puppy home uh, or even before you get your puppy home. For, for some of those of you who are uh, you know, eager uh, learners, this is the perfect podcast for you pre-puppy owners. So today we're going to be talking about Instructor Shannon's blog post, New Puppy. Great. Now what? I'm Ken Steep, and welcome back to McCann Dogs. I think your uh, blog post titles read well. I, it's fun for me to, <laughs> to say them, uh, especially when there's so much punctuation in them. Um, but I want to uh, introduce you to, uh, if you are new to the podcast, this is instructor Shannon Viljasu. She's the director of online training at the McCann Dogs My Dog Can program. And she's also uh, quite a, an accomplished writer when it comes to creating uh, dog training content. She's written, I, I, how many blogs have you written? I mean, there has been a lot. Oh my goodness. I haven't counted in a long time, but we were somewhere around 200 a couple of years ago, I want to say. So a new one every week. We've got to be over 300 by now. Yeah, it's really exciting, and I know um, we just uh, we just started to uh, publish on Medium. If you if any of our listeners are on Medium reading, we have uh, lots of our blog posts over there, so you can check us out. But today we're going to talk about puppies, and now we. We'll often talk about puppy training, uh, but we don't often talk about things outside of specifically training, like what you might need for your dog or what you might need for your puppy. And that's what this blog post covers, Shannon. And, and who is this? Who did you write this for? Who is the kind of who's the, the perfect person to be reading this post? Probably people who are like me who get relief from overwhelm by making lists. <laughs> so I'm very much a planner. I, I feel overwhelmed if there's a whole bunch of things up in the air and I'm just not sure how I'm going to tackle those things. I feel so good about those things when I sit down and actually formulate a little bit of a plan. And it can be a really loose plan, but it's still a plan nonetheless. And it basically just allows my brain to settle and to understand what the tasks are ahead of me. Funny enough, my sister is absolutely the opposite of me. I don't know how we both ended up so polar opposite. She's very much, you know, last minute fly by the seat of her pants and she enjoys that. And that to me, it makes me want to curl up in a little ball until I've got my plan ready and then I can, ha, ready to go again. So yeah, the people that are thinking about getting a puppy and of course feeling overwhelmed by that because there's a lot to do when you bring home a puppy. Um, I was hoping that this would speak to those people and help them out. I, I know um, the puppy preparation process, not only is it hard <laughs> to say, but it's a lot of work. And when it really yeah. comes down to it, um, <laughs> those who are really prepared even sometimes feel like, oh boy, this, there's still a lot to do because maybe there's some unforeseen things that they hadn't expected that come up. And I love how you sort of, um, you, you touch on lots of different areas uh, that puppy, new puppy owners should be ready to expect, especially if you've never had a puppy before. This is, this is the perfect sort of checklist for you. So let's dive into the first one. And I think it's, it's funny that 
you put it first. I think it's the most important, and I see we are similar wavelengths, but it's not something that people immediately think about when they're bringing home a new puppy. And you really highlight the idea that a vet check is important for uh, your yeah. new puppy. Definitely. So, and, and and if you have decided to go with a, a reputable breeder and a good breeder that gives you um, lots of good details and information, they will probably have already said you must take this puppy to the vet within the first 48 hours of getting home. And it's sort of to protect both of you, right? To to make sure that there's not anything obvious that's going on with the puppy. There there are certain things that are, are fairly common with puppies, parasites and worms, you know, their, their immune systems still aren't aren't developed very uh, to the extreme just yet. And sometimes quite often you'll get worms and things like that with puppies. It's very standard practice to deworm puppies. So most puppies will have already had a deworming protocol with that breeder. Um, but just to make sure that nothing was um, nothing was lost in that. Um, when, for example, when I brought Ned home at, um, he was nine weeks of age when I brought him home, took him into the vet with a stool sample, absolutely zero issue. And at about six months, he had a case of roundworm. And that was from eating debris and bugs and dirt in the yard, which he really liked to do. And it was very easy to cure and treat, no problem. But I was glad to have known that he hadn't had that the entire time he'd been home with me. And I hadn't been, you know, just not aware of that situation. And I was also glad to know that, you know, his breeder is wonderful and amazing. And of course, she had done her job deworming him and this was something in the process but you know they'll check for general health of the puppy they'll do a stool sample they'll make sure that um, that you're both protected you want to make sure that you're not bringing home a puppy that has some sort of inherent problem and falling in love with them and then you know falling for that that devastation of something actually being wrong so it's just an all-round good idea like I said, most good breeders will already have that in their contract that you must see a vet within a, a short period of time and bringing them home. So, And I know that's something that you'd mentioned in a previous podcast when you talked about some red flags for buying a puppy is that, you know, there, there's some expectation that some of this work uh, will have been done before. Now, is there anything just off the top of your head that you think a new puppy owner should be expecting uh, from their breeder or their, uh, you know, rescue or whoever is giving, uh, handing over ownership of the dog? Yeah. So, I mean, Information, support, it really, the reason to go with a good breeder is to have support for the rest of your puppy's life. Um, the good breeders will be there for you. They'll be there to answer your questions. They'll be there to help you out with things. They'll be there to support if something does go wrong. That's, that's sort of what I would expect from a good breeder. I would expect records from a rescue. You know, if the dog was fostered out somewhere, what, um, what was the scenario? How did the dog react? Um, a lot of the times with rescues these days, people are getting these rescues that are being imported from other places in the world. And there's there's a bunch of um, unfortunate problems that are coming along with that, but I won't really get into that right now. But the fact that the dogs get imported from somewhere else in the world, they sort of touch ground in North America for a short period of time only before they're sent off to their new homes, that really leaves that, that adoptive person with no concrete information. That dog hasn't spent any time with somebody that can evaluate the dog, that can tell you what you're getting into. You know, there can be situations where that dog was a street dog and nobody knows anything about their temperament, their history, et cetera. 
and they're going into a person's home who may or may not have dog experience and may or may not be able to read and interpret and understand what they're looking at. So um, if I were going with a rescue, I would make sure that I went with a rescue organization that spent time with the dogs, that evaluated the dogs. You know, if you adopt from an SPCA, for example, they will have housed that dog for a certain period of time. With private rescue organizations, they'll foster out. You want to get those notes and that information. You don't want it to be a rush job at all, especially if you're fairly new to dogs and you're hoping for a good and uh, simple experience where you get to bring home a wonderful dog and love them for the rest of their lives and, you know, interact and whatnot. Um, you don't want to be in a scenario where the dog is, after a couple of weeks of that honeymoon period, where the dog is starting to show true colors, which are maybe above your capability to deal with. So ask as many questions as you can. Get references if you can and um pick pick the organizations or the breeders that you know are going to stand behind those dogs and are going to be there for you i think regardless of where your puppy comes from who your puppy comes from uh managing them appropriately when they first come home is going to make your life and theirs so much easier. And we often talk about setting our puppies up to be successful and keeping them out of trouble. Uh, a great way to really speed up their training process is to, you know, supervise every moment that they're out of their crate. But what that implies is that you do need an opportunity to have a safe place for them to rest and relax and maybe eat their dinner. And you talk about crate training in the next um, topic or the next um, uh, paragraph of your blog post and talk about uh, the benefits, I guess, of crate training your puppy. Yeah, absolutely. I would say um, with a lot of confidence that there is no scenario that I would ever bring a puppy home and not crate train them. I simply wouldn't. I'm looking at the future. I'm looking at that dog might need to be boarded. I'm looking at that dog might need to go to the vet and be kept overnight. I don't want the extra added stress of him not understanding what this environment is. Um, a lot of times good breeders will have already started puppies on crate training protocol. So they will have separated the litter into their own individual kennels and worked through the process of that stress that comes along with the transition of coming from a scenario where they've got six or seven litter mates and buddies and mom and whatnot to pal around with, plus the humans in that house that they've gotten used to. And now they're going into an entirely different environment, different home, different people, and suddenly their litter mates are gone and they're all alone. So if that good breeder has taken the time to introduce the crate, that crate is a haven. It's like a safe little den that travels with the puppy. So now you bring that crate home and there's something familiar in their new environment that they recognize from the old environment. And that just for building the puppy's confidence and helping them transition into the new environment, that in and of itself is worth so much time and effort. Um, but in addition, you can't possibly supervise that puppy 24-7. There's no way. They are busy, busy creatures. And the crate is going to help you with house training. It's going to help them to understand that how to hold their bladder and their bowels. Um, it's going to help you with keeping them safe, you know, rather than them running around the house and having accidents in the house or potentially chewing on wires or things that might be dangerous. They are safely contained in that crate when you can't watch them. So, so, so many reasons to crate train. And I honestly cannot think of a single reason that I would ever not crate train a puppy. 
Uh, including uh, house training, including speeding up that puppy potty training process, because using a crate uh, is going to be such a valuable tool and and it's really going to minimize the accidents that you have in your house. I know there's lots of people that we hear from that, uh, you know, feel like they're struggling and they can never catch their puppy in the act of having an accident, where if you're using a crate uh, and all of the the, your puppy's actions and activities are supervised, uh, it'll really speed up that house training process. And what can the uh, average puppy owner expect uh, when it comes to house training their puppy? Yeah, so uh, in a nutshell, you want to buy a crate that is either adjustable for size, which means that sometimes there's a barrier in it that you can continue to move the barrier to make it bigger as the puppy grows, or it is a cheap enough crate that you can have a couple of different sizes as the puppies grow. And I know most of us around here will loan out puppy crates, et cetera, so that when you first bring home a puppy, you've got the baby puppy crate before they graduate into something bigger. But the ideal scenario is that the puppy doesn't have so much room in the crate that they can pee in one corner and then sleep comfortably in the other corner. Because of course, if they don't know how to hold their bladder and their bowels yet, that's what's probably going to happen. So you want them to be contained enough in that space that they start to learn that they don't want to foul that area. That's their den, that's their safe space. And innately, most puppies will want to keep that clean. So tight enough that they're able to stand up, turn around, lie down comfortably, but not so much room that they can go to the bathroom in one area and then sleep comfortably in the other area. So that in and of itself is going to help your dog understand how to recognize the signs that they need to go to the bathroom and how to hold it as well. That crate is going to be instrumental in that. But it also gives you the ability then, once they've gotten to that point, it gives you the ability to put them somewhere where they're not going to have an accident while you're busy with other things or while potentially you're waiting for them to work up the desire to go to the bathroom. We always say that uh, after sleeping, after eating, after playing, those things will all stimulate your dog to need to go to the washroom. So if I'm using those rules of thumb and I take my dog outside to go to the bathroom after he's woken up from a nap, for example, and he stretches and chases a leaf and chews on some grass and he doesn't go to the bathroom, I don't want to then bring that puppy in the house and give him freedom because chances are he's then going to come in the house and because he doesn't have the distraction of the leaf and the grass and all the other exciting things out there, he might remember that he has to go to the bathroom and pee in the house. So I'm setting myself back a little bit. So what I'd rather do in that scenario, if he doesn't go to the bathroom outside, I'm going to bring him back inside. I'm going to put him in his crate. Just, you know, not, not, I'm not angry or anything of that nature. I'm just going to give him a little bit of time to work up his bladder and his bowels again. Um, maybe four or five minutes. It doesn't have to be a long, long time. And then I'll bring him out, take him back outside again, and give him the opportunity to go to the bathroom outside again. So that crate really is sort of like the um, the puppy accident uh, babysitter, if you will. <laughs> and I, if you're uh, about to become a new puppy owner and thinking to yourself, wow, this is going to be a lot. It doesn't need to be, you know, I know there's lots of horror stories of people that struggle with uh, potty training their puppy or teaching them to not have accidents in the house. And if you just follow the things Shannon has just mentioned, and most importantly, supervise your puppy, provide some structure. And when you are having less structured time, you're supervising them, you are much 
you're going to be successful much more quickly because you're being clear with your puppy. And it's, yeah. uh, it's such an important process to, uh, to follow keeping, managing your dog well when you aren't able to supervise them, supervising them closely. And, you know, uh, house training doesn't need to be a challenge. It just, it really doesn't need to be there. Your puppy may have accidents in the house. It, it, you know, it's likely oh, yeah. in fact to happen, but it's a great training opportunity to market with your voice and then take them outside. It really helps them to understand what's, uh, what you, uh, like and don't like definitely accidents happen they absolutely will there's really no getting around that and you actually want your dog to have or your puppy rather to have an accident or two because you can give them feedback from that so we don't want them to only know that yes it's right to go outside we also want them to know it's wrong to go inside so if i am not supervising my puppy and they're not crated and my dog hasn't and my puppy has an accident that is a wasted accident so that right there does nothing but create a rehearsal scenario for you where your dog gets used to the idea of peeing wherever they happen to be. If, however, my dog pees in the living room and I'm right there as soon as he squats to say, oh, no, you're making a mistake. And it doesn't have to be. I'm not angry with him. The old um, the old fallacies of smacking them with a newspaper, et cetera, definitely not what you're doing. But you do want to interrupt it. You do want to let that puppy know that this is not what they want to do. So I would interrupt it. I would say, oops, you're making a mistake. I would scoop that puppy up, run them outside, and then put them down on the ground and encourage them to go outside. And usually I have a leash or a line on my puppies all the time. So I've got control. I can stop him from chasing that leaf or chewing the grass or what what have you. And I can help him focus on the task at hand. And then when he starts to go outside, I'm going to praise him and let him know that that is right. And as long as you are able to give your dog that clear information of what's right and what's wrong, both halves of the equation, they usually learn very, very quickly. But it's entirely dependent on your capability to supervise them and prevent the accidents when you can't supervise them. To sort of add on to the uh, what's right and what's wrong, we've talked about this before, and it's a bit of an aside, but um, if your puppy does have an opportunity to go uh, sneak away and have an accident in the house, puppies are going to do what's rewarding. And, and uh, you know, the act of going pee uh, is a relief to that puppy. And if your puppy doesn't have the information that that's not the right behavior, they are going to think that that is the right behavior. So when Shannon talks about uh, supervision and uh, doing uh, your puppy understanding what's right and wrong, that's entirely dependent on you for you to give your puppy the right information. And it's so important. And again, those the two points that we've just talked about really will help you to be successful there. So, uh, you know, really focus on those things. Now, another really important way to give your puppy the right information is going to a puppy class and uh, talk for a minute about some of the value of puppy classes. Absolutely. I say do not walk, run. Find a puppy class. It's so, so important for you to get some structure into your early training. You know, even if you've had umpteen puppies before, it is still going to benefit you quite, quite greatly. So, I mean, all of us around here, we all still put our puppies in that Head Start class, even though you know most of us teach the Head Start class. Most of us know the information inside out and backwards, but it provides you with structure and it provides you with an opportunity for socialization and time out and about with your puppy and bonding time. It gives you an opportunity to ask questions if you have them and to help troubleshoot through some of the challenges that you might be having. You really don't want to skip that step. And that early social opportunity with your dog of being out in a busy environment, you know, with other puppies, et cetera, and um, having attention paid to them by instructors and other people, et cetera, that is really going to go a long way for you 
you as well and for the rest of the puppy's life. So that three or four weeks or that four to six weeks in a puppy class is going to help carry you with as far as socialization, having your dogs be, be um, content and even tempered in environments that are busier or, or a little bit more demanding for the dog, that is going to serve you so well throughout the entirety of your dog's life. So the time and effort and the money as well for a puppy class is going to be extremely well spent. I know that uh, something that Marty McCann, the, one of the founders of McCann Professional Dog Trainers, would say to me is that uh, tra trained dogs live longer. You know, they have better yes. opportunities. They're less likely to put themselves and get themselves into dangerous situation, but they also have better educated owners that really know more about their dog and, uh, you know, can identify when some bad choices are made. And I think that's such an important thing that I really hadn't thought about before. Yeah, it's so crucial. And there's a lot of challenges that come along with puppies. You know, we love puppies. Puppies are wonderful, but they have very sharp teeth and they hurt those little needle teeth. They'll do a lot of nipping. You know, they'll do a lot of chewing on things. They will do a lot of um, uh, of things that you may not find desirable. So learning how to work through those things, especially the puppy nipping, you know, that's one that you really want to deal with and get it, you know, get it over with and done so that you can continue to enjoy your puppy. I mean, we have so many people who come to us a little bit later in the dog's life, you know, maybe five or six months, and they're covered in scars and scratches and cuts from the little needle teeth. And, you know, we, sh we can show these people how to fix that behavior very, very quickly and very, very easily. And they've they've lived with it for so long. And my heart always goes out to people because they're always so distraught. You know, you want to enjoy your puppy. You want to love them and play with them and snuggle and just have a great old time. And it's really hard to do that when you've got piranha teeth coming at you. And it's not the fault of the puppy. It's simply a matter of uh, communication not being successful between the two of you. So if we can open the lines of communication and let the puppy know what's appropriate and what's not appropriate, and then you go home from there and you love your puppy and you enjoy your puppy and you no longer have to deal with those little piranha teeth and you have a dog that has great bite inhibition, that in itself is worth its weight in gold. That's just an amazing feeling. I love it when I send people away after they've had those lessons on nipping and you can just see the relief over the whole family. Like that, that really is an important thing. No one ever envisions when they're thinking about getting a puppy of having that tiny little piranha with a tail and uh, fur, but that you're right. absolutely right. That sometimes that is the case. And it's so important to address it early so that you can start being successful with them so that you can begin to enjoy your puppy and not have to wear hydro gloves or, you know, your, your winter mittens so that you don't get bitten. Uh, I mean, little things like that yeah. in puppy classes. Uh, it, it, it's so important to have some of those skills in your puppy classes uh, that you know, I, I don't know i don't know how people can um just put up with those things because they don't have to you know it just takes a, a few minutes yes. of, of education and it they're over it now something that else that we talk a lot about in our puppy classes is socializing your puppy now what does that i know there's a lot of sort of misconceptions about uh, socializing your puppy and shannon why don't you tell us uh what your idea of socializing your so socializing your puppy means 
Yeah, I always say to people, think about socialization as exposure. So it, yes, it's nice for your puppy to have a play with the other puppies in the puppy class, which, you know, that's a that's a safe environment. There are professionals monitoring that play. Anything that's inappropriate, they're going to step in and they're going to stop it. So that's a great opportunity for your dog to play with other puppies. However, out there in the real world, when you run across other dogs, there's a lot of things that are up in the air, whether or not that dog is friendly, whether or not that dog is friendly with puppies whether or not the owner understands what that dog is capable of, you know, whether or not that dog is healthy to be interacting with your young puppy who may not necessarily have completed their vaccine schedule at that point. It, socialization as exposure is so important. We want to bring our puppies out and about. We want them to be exposed to all sorts of different stimuli, but exposure with positive elements. So a situation where my dog goes out and greets, uh, my puppy goes out and greets an adult dog on leash, and then the adult dog growls at them or worse, that is not a positive situation for my puppy. So that actually will set me back in my socialization because now my dog might be a little bit wary of older dogs out there on the street, especially if he's a softer dog to begin with. The better scenario is that I'm able to, oh, look, there's a dog walking down the street with a young puppy. I would probably cross the street and I would really lay on the charm as that dog was passing by so that my puppy started learning really early on. First off, don't get so sucked into the distraction of that other dog that they're going to get super stimulated or super high or super excited about it. I want my puppy to be relaxed when there are other distractions in the environment. I don't ever want that craning at the end of the leash, staring and getting more and more pumped or building frustration. So I'm going to work with my puppy's focus on me, even if that even if that means just having food right there and rewarding my dog. If I've got a puppy that really doesn't have any skills yet, it might just be luring his attention to me with food and feeding multiple times as he's focused on me while that other dog passes and then life goes on after that and we continue along. I don't want it to be a scenario where he's fixated on the other dog and I don't want it to be a scenario where he is interacting with the other dog. I don't know that dog and I don't want to take that chance with my young puppy. So um, that exposure is so important. Getting out and about to places that allow dogs to come in. And I think we've talked about this before, but I prefer to go to places like Home Depot and Rona. There are still um, some of them that will allow dogs in, some of them don't. Um, uh, home hardware, etc. Any of the hardware stores, they're, they're sort of hit or miss. You might want to call that location and see if they allow dogs. But those are great places to go because you can either stay at this end of it where there's lighting and everything is quiet, you know, there's lighting and plumbing and whatnot, or you can go down to the lumber area where there's saws and whatnot going on. You can work with the dog and they can have exposure to different people and different sounds and lots of different smells and interaction. I tend to avoid going to the pet stores with my young puppies because first off, I can't control the health of the dogs that have been in there previously. So if there's been a dog that, I mean, I'm not suggesting they don't clean their floors or, or anything of that nature, but if there's been a dog in there that morning that's an older dog that's maybe had kennel cough or something worse, that's still going to be lingering lingering in the environment. And I want to be cautious with my young puppy who's not completed his vaccine protocol. I also want to make sure that I don't run into dogs that are maybe not so nice in those environments. And you know, we've talked about people having flexi lines on their dogs, or pardon me, retractable leashes on their dogs in um, in environments like pet stores, and the dog is over in the next aisle as 
the person is not is completely oblivious to what their dog is doing. So I don't ever want my puppy to be in that scenario where they get pounced on. I will tend to stick to areas where I know I can control things a little bit more and the distractions that are going to be there or the, the stimuli that I'm trying to socialize to is a little bit more predictable. I think uh, you touched on a few things that are so important and uh, getting your puppy used to different uh, places, sounds, smells, flooring even. Flooring can be something that's a little bit overwhelming for some young dogs. And, you know, even some dogs as they get older, if they haven't been exposed to some kind, whether it's, you know, a hardware store flooring or uh, artificial grass, I mean, no matter what it is, it's so beneficial to give our puppies these opportunities to see these different places. And I think making sure that you are uh, more likely to be successful by controlling the environment is a really, really good one. Now, with that said, uh, Kale and I were recently in New York City and the amount of dogs, I was quite amazed at the amount of dogs that, that were people had in Manhattan. But uh, it was quite amazing to me, knowing a lot of the interactions that I would see uh, with dogs on leash, you know, locally here in, uh, in southwestern Ontario, how relaxed those the dogs in the city were to like trucks driving by and fire trucks, sirens wailing and you know, unusual sounds, you know, like uh, uh, there was someone loading a, a delivery truck and the thing, the back door banged. And I thought, wow, that dog uh, is going to be startled, didn't even flinch. So giving yeah. your dog, it, it really sort of brings your dog's um, head, head into a, a great spot when they've been exposed to all these different things because they don't feel an anxiety of a, a new situation or a new sound or a new smell. You know, it really sets you up to be able to uh, work with a dog who is uh, confident and uh, really solid, so to speak. Absolutely. It's that it's that reflex arc that they respond to. So, you know, just like us, if we're in an environment that's got a stinky smell when we first walk in there, you know, after being in that environment for 10 or 20 minutes, you no longer notice that smell because your body says, OK, I don't need to be aware of that anymore. It's the same idea with our dogs with socialization and exposure is making sure that there is there's as much history as possible with all of these things that they're presented with being not dangerous to them, being, being you know, something that they can cope with on a day-to-day -day basis. Now, Shannon isn't taking a shot at me when she talked about being in a stinky environment. We're actually in uh, two different locations. I'm in the McCann Dog Studio and Shannon is at our McCann Dogs training facility. So I can assure her that, that if there, there is a stink that she's referring to, it's not mine. But I know that what she... Sure <laughs> I know that Shannon has been spending a lot of time recently uh, at our training facility creating a free program. And uh, let's tell our listeners uh, just for a moment about the, uh, the free uh, training program, the free workshop training that you've created for everyone. Absolutely. So we have an online dog training school that teaches um, all of the basics, coming when called, walking nicely on leash, sit stays, etc. And we wanted to add to our programs on there. And we thought, what better way to do it than to offer Frinny, Frinny, <laughs> free mini, that's my new word, Frinny, free mini workshops so that we could get more people involved in training with us on an online capacity. So every month, the first of every month, we'll be releasing a new free workshop. And the first one is an attention workshop that's available right now. So if you go to our um, website, you can link to it through there. Um, well, I'm sure Ken will also put the uh, information in the show notes as he always offers to do. So I took the words out of his mouth there. Um, so 
the next one, we've got a trick that we're going to teach you. So April 1st, the next workshop comes out and it's a cross your feet trick. So for your dogs, not for you, you guys can probably cross your feet already, um, but for your dogs to cross their feet and it's another free three-day workshop. So every month we're going to be coming out with a, another free fun thing to do with your dog, whether it's based more on obedience or a little bit more fun or games. You know, we're just going to run the gambit of anything and everything that we might find interesting and you guys might find interesting and fun. So sign up for the update list and we will notify you every time we release a new one. I'm really excited about that list. I'm really excited about the opportunity to uh, to train and, and offer, you know, some more progressional training for everyone uh, that, uh, of our podcast listeners and our video viewers. So it's really exciting to see that come together. Now, if you are a about to become a new puppy owner, if you are a new puppy owner, I hope this list has given you a little bit of clarity or, or a little bit of direction. I know Shannon uh, is the consummate planner as she mentioned at the top of the show. So if you are like her, then I feel like you've gotten lots of important information here. So uh, whether you've made notes or whatever, make sure you put them into practice and, and really prepare yourself for that. Uh, those first couple days you bring a puppy home can be really busy. So the more work you do ahead of time in preparation, uh, the easier your life will be. And you can get, uh, you can, you know, get right down to enjoying some quality time with your four-legged family member. Now, if this is your first time on our podcast, make sure you hit the that follow button or that subscribe button. We publish new episodes every single week to help you to understand the why behind how dogs think and learn. And I want to thank uh, instructor Shannon Viljasu, the director of online training for, for the My Dog Can program for joining us again today. And I want to wish every one of you at home, happy training. Bye for now. Bye everybody. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the McCann Dogs podcast. And if you'd like some more training resources, be sure to check us out on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook at McCann Dogs. And if you'd like to train with us online, be sure to check out the show notes below for our My Dog Can online training program, where we know in just a few weeks, your dog will become a well-behaved family member. Until then, happy training.